Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. We'll take your Bibles and go with me to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. We're in our series through the book of Exodus, and, um, and so this morning we, we come to the end of chapter 3. Now here's what I want you to do for just a moment this morning. I want you to, to picture in your mind those days in college. I think for some of you that wasn't that long ago. For others, maybe a stretch. But picture your days in college, and you were sitting there on your couch, laying out with a bag of potato chips, your favorite chips, whatever, ours is Cheetos. And so um, you're watching, getting ready for your college team to play. You're in college, you're, you're not going to the game, but you're at your fraternity house, you're at sorority house, you're laying there. And an hour before the game begins, you get a phone call. You get a phone call, and you answer that phone call, and it's the coach of your team. He calls and says, we need you. We need you right now. We're sending a police escort to get you. You are going to be our guy. You are going to play in this game tonight. Can you imagine that? How many believe that's true? Well, it's a true story. If you are, and and there's only one team that would do this. Only, Only one team that would call a kid off a couch an hour before the game and say, come on, suit up. And you wonder why they've had such a season that they have. The tennis, in 2011, Derek Broadus was sitting on his couch in his fraternity house ready to watch the game, and he gets the call uh, from Dooley to say, we're, we're getting a police escort, you're going to play. Um, in fact, Dooley tells the press conference afterwards, he said, I told him to put an APB out on him, get him a breathalyzer test, make sure he's okay, and get him in the game. He had no, they put a jersey, got him to the stadium, put a jersey on him that didn't have a name on the back. The deal was, he brought us, tried out as a walk-on on on the team and and didn't make the cut. And so, uh, he doesn't make the cut, so he's at home and watching, getting ready for the game. But right before kickoff, the backup uh, field goal kicker, uh, Chip Roman has pulled a hamstring and cannot go. The starter was already out for games, and so they had nobody who could kick the ball. And so when it happened, Dooley goes, we got to find Derek Broadus. We got to go get that guy. So they, sure enough, Broadus hangs up the phone, and immediately there's a knock on his door. It's the police, and they put him in a car and get him to the stadium, find a uniform that fits him, stretch him out, and he goes into the game. He kicks three extra points, field goals that day, and a 21-yard field goal. They win the game. Now, they were playing Tennessee Martin. 
But they win the game handily. At the end of the game in the, in the locker room, Dooley Hands brought us the game ball. You think? And so he gets the game ball. He, Steve, Steve, you remember this? Steve's a big UT fan. He tries to block out some of these years, and that might have been one of those years he blocked out. But, but it was one of those moments that you look back and you think, how in the world? And yet, that's what happened. He went from sitting on his couch, and by the way, he, he got to stay on the team the rest of the, the, rest of the time. And uh, uh, the only reason I tell this story was in 2011, UK beat uh, Tennessee for the first time since 84. So, you know, it's not one of those years that uh, Kentucky can brag about Tennessee, but this year we could. So uh, think about it for a moment. Is, is, think about Broadus in the fact that he had been a failure— and yet got called back in. He, he tried out, done his best, and, and yet was unsuccessful in making the team. And yet on that day, he got that call to say, we need you. I, I want us to catch that point this morning. Because sometimes we feel like we failed in life or we're not good enough or we, we're unable to do something. And so we give up. But that's not how God works. You see, God's not looking for your ability, but your availability. God wants you to be available to be used. He'll take care of the rest. Would you just be available? This morning, as we look at Exodus chapter 3, we're going to see Moses comes to this point. And, and really, uh, Exodus 3 and then on into chapter 4, Moses gives five reasons to God, why he cannot be used, why he's no good, why he's not able to lead the people. What I want us to see this morning is God is sufficient. All we have to do is trust God. So if you have your Bibles and if you're at Exodus chapter 3, would you stand as we honor the reading of God's perfect and holy word? I'm going to back up to verse 9. It's not going to be on the screen, but I'll back up to verse 9, and then you catch me at 11. Verse 9 says, So because the Israelites cried for help, for help has come to me, and I have also seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, I am sending you to Pharaoh, so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses asked God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He answered, I will certainly be with you. And this will be a sign to you that I am the one who sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you will all worship God at this mountain. Then Moses asked God, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors have sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you, sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the Israelites, the Lord the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is how I am to be remembered in every generation. 
Go and assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me and said, I have paid close attention to you and to what has been done to you in Egypt. And I have promised you that I will bring you up from the misery of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. They will listen to what you say. Then you, along with the elders of Israel, must go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Now please let us go on a three-day trip to the wilderness so that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. However, I know that the king of Egypt will not allow you to go, even under force from a strong hand. But when I stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my miracles that I will perform in it, after that he will let you go. And I will give these people such favor with the Egyptians that when you go, you will not go empty-handed. Each woman will ask her neighbor and any woman staying with her in her house for silver and gold jewelry and the clothing, and you will put them on your sons and daughters so you will plunder the Egyptians. You may be seated. Here's what I want you to catch this morning. As we look at this text, I want you to see this simple truth today. God uses inadequate people to carry out his purposes. Therefore, if we confess Christ, we have no excuse for not being used. I want you to catch that. God uses inadequate people. Let me ask you, are there any, in, are there any inadequate people here today? Yeah, okay, so we all fit that category. God uses inadequate people to carry out his purposes. Therefore, if we confess Christ, we have no excuse for not being used. So, the, so this morning, the question is, how are you being used by, by God? We come to this text, and, and Moses is, is all excited, I think. I mean, I, th I think about the first part of Exodus, that we, uh, Exodus 3 that we read last week, where the burning bush, Moses hears from God, he gets this experience where, where he's at this place and he's hearing the word of God, and God is saying, I have heard my people, oh yes, I have, I have heard their cry, oh yes, good, I am going to come to the rescue, yes, Lord, yes, and then God says, and I'm going to send you. Here's what I think when that, when that happens. What you talking about? What you doing? What you talking about? What you, what you, what you talking about? It's one of those moments I think if Arnold was talking to God, it'd be like, what you talking about, God? I mean, we do that ourselves. We, we, have, we have those moments where we're so excited. We, we think that's going to happen. And then all of a sudden he goes, and I'm going to use you. What? That's not, that wasn't how I, hey, I was praying for you to work, but that's not how I was praying. I think Moses has that moment here. And so I want us to see God and his sufficiency this morning. Because no matter what our failures are in life, no matter what our problems are, God is sufficient. Amen? And if we truly believe that, 
then we've got no excuse. We've got no excuse for not serving and doing what God calls us to do. So let me give you three things I see out of this text that I hope you'll, you'll take note of. The first one this morning is this. My inadequacy is overcome by God's ability. My inadequacy is overcome by God's ability. There's a couple things that, 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 there are a couple practical questions Moses answers at this moment. In, in, in verse 11, Moses looks at, at God and says, who am I? Now, we, we have a tendency to do that, right? Somebody calls you and says, hey, here's what I'd like for you to consider. I'd like for you to consider serving in these capacities. And, and we, we immediately go, well, who, you know, who am I? I, 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 don't, I, I I'm not that good. I, I'm not a teacher. I'm not a deacon material. We quickly use the same mentality that Moses uses. He was, he was defensive on his abilities. And, and let's be honest, Moses had some, some baggage in his background that would cause him to, to question why God would, would absolutely want to, to use him. I mean, think about it. <laughs> Moses was a shepherd. And, and the people he was going to go up against were Egyptians, and they were powerful people. And he's just a shepherd. Oh, he grew up in the Egyptian house, but, but he was really nobody. So he, he didn't really have the pedigree. He, did, he, he, didn't, he didn't have the understanding to go up against such powerful people. The, the other thing that Moses had going against him was his age. And he's no spring chicken, at this moment. Oh, he's still got life and years ahead of him, but, but you know, his prime time happened 40 years ago. And so he's, he's you know, he's gotten up in age. Now, the third thing that Moses has going against him is that he's, he's tried and failed. You know, I've been there, done that. Now, that wasn't very successful. Hey, God, listen, that's just not my gift mix. I love that response when you talk to people in the church and you ask people to serve. Well, that's really not my gift mix. That's really not, not, not my area of expertise. Well, so what is your area of expertise? Sitting in the pew. Now, nobody has ever said that to me, but I always, you know. Moses has been there and tried that, and it just didn't work. So he's got enough baggage behind him. He, he could... He could bail on this. And so he, he asked this question, who am I? And the second thing comes in, in, in verse 12, there, the first part. And if I go, like you really have a choice, you're either going to do it or live in disobedience. That's same with you and me. We'll talk about that in a minute. But if I go, who do, who do I say sent me? Who, who is it that I am to say is sending me? Now, I love, I love what God says in verse 12. In fact, look at uh, Anita, you may have to, I, I didn't put it in there, so you may have to put it back up for me. Verse 12 says, he answered, I will certainly be with you. 
That's good, Anita. I will certainly, certainly be with you. Did you notice what God did there? He didn't look at Moses and go, yep, you're, you're pretty inadequate. You, you ain't got it. Yeah, see, see, you got it. You, 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 you don't have the ability. You're right. You're just a, a nobody. God didn't say that. God didn't lie to Moses and say, oh, but you do have the ability. He, he didn't blow him up and go, oh, yeah, you can do this. And, and, and listen, there are moments when we ask people in the church to serve in some type of role, and they really have the ability, and they're just putting it off. So to say to somebody, oh, but you do really have the ability, it's not, it's not, it's not inadequate. But in this moment, for, for Moses, it, it is, because Moses doesn't have this ability. He, he doesn't do that. He doesn't mislead him. He doesn't even tell Moses, hey, I'm going to give you the ability. I'm going to make you have the ability. You will be sufficient at some point. Because God doesn't do that. Because if you are sufficient at some point, guess what you don't need? You don't need God. If you, if you arrive at some point and you're sufficient and, and all this thing, you, you don't need God. God doesn't say, I'm going to make you sufficient. What does God say? This is your part. I will be with you. It's a comforting thing. He doesn't blow him up. He doesn't lie to him. He says, I'll be with you. God never calls without providing his presence. He's not going to call you to do something and then abandon you. If God calls, he provides. He looks at Moses and says, I'll be with you. What greater, what greater response do we need? I mean, let's be honest, would you, would you take on hell with a water pistol today if you knew God was going right there with you? Well, I hope you would. I mean, why not? Because God is right there with you. Would you, would you do whatever God calls you to do if you knew God was walking with you hand in hand? Well, I hope you would. See, we have to understand, our inadequacy is overcome by God's ability. God's not looking for your ability. He's looking for your availability. He just needs us to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I will, I will, I will do this. Now, the second thing I want you to see in this text is my faith must be dependent on God's ability. My faith must be dependent upon God's ability. We think about we think about our inability and God's ability. There comes this place where our faith has to be dependent on God's ability. Because I, I think about my own personal life and I think about my inabilities. I, 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 I can be honest with you. I, I, 
There's nothing in my being, nothing about me that I ever dreamed God would have me proclaim his word. I mean, I, I grew up in a family who loved me, who, who took me to church, who cared for me, who instilled God's word in me. I mean, I, I got in trouble through this. I, I got in trouble um, multiple times in school. In middle school, I got in so much trouble, my dad had come to a place where he just didn't know what to do. He sat me down at the table, put the Bible in front of me, and said, start reading Proverbs. I got on into high, I, mean, I, I, I don't have time to go all through this. There's no way I ever would have thought God would have called this guy to pastor. I never, listen, I didn't ever believe God could get me at past high school. My mama didn't think he, it was only God going to get me through high school, and we'd just see how it worked from there. But my faith is dependent upon God's ability. Because when God said, this is what I want you to do, I said, are you sure? Trust me, I asked multiple questions. But I said, okay. We come to the end of verse 12, and we find Moses. And, and there's this this. this I will be with you, and this will be a sign for you. Now, throughout the Old Testament, we find signs. You can see signs. There's really two, two ideas behind signs. Uh, the, the first one is a present persuader. And, and what that means is, um, we see next week in verses, uh, uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through, through 9, uh, there are going to be these moments when, when Moses is going to say, but God, I can't do this. And God's going to say, what's that in your hand? Well, it's a staff. Throw it down on the ground. He throws it down on the ground. What's it become? It becomes a snake. And, and it's a sign for Moses to go, hey, look, I am with you. I am doing this, right? Present day persuader. Then there are other signs that we find in the, in the scriptures like this one, which it's a... It's more of a future confirmation. So, so God says to, to Moses, this will be a sign to you that when you lead the people out, you'll come to this mountain and you will all worship me. Future tense. It's just like in 1 Samuel chapter 10 when, when Samuel is to anoint Saul and Saul's going to take the journey to Gibbetha, and, and Samuel says, here's what's going to happen on your journey. You're going to encounter this, and, and this, and this is going to happen, and then this is going to happen. And, and what happens? As he takes that, Saul takes that journey, that's what takes place. It's a future. It's a confirmation of what's happening. So what's that mean for, for Moses in this text? That when you come out, you'll come to this mountain, you'll worship me on it. It's a future confirmation in other words, the only way you're going to get it is to go by faith. You've got to go by faith. The writer of Hebrews tells us that Moses leaves Egypt by faith. And so my faith must be dependent upon God's ability. Listen, if God told us all the ins and the outs, where would faith be, right? 
I mean, we know what's going to happen. I mean, do you, did you, any, show hands, anybody question the pew when you sat down on it today? No. See, there's no faith. I mean, you knew it would hold you up. But, but with Moses, when he gets to the mountain and he leads the people out and that, and that takes place and that worship service happens, that's a moment in which Moses is going to remember that moment and he is going to be confirmed in it. And then as time goes on and as they're wandering in the wilderness, that's something Moses is going to hold tight to. Because God, you, you're the one who said, you just didn't tell me it was going to be this long. You just didn't tell me these people were going to act this way. But I'm going to hold tight because you let us. Our faith must be dependent upon God's ability. Here's the third thing I want you to catch this morning. My response to God is a reflection to my understanding of who God is. My response to God is a reflection of my understanding of who God is. So, think about it. Hey, we need you to serve. In fact, the Bible, I mean, we, we could go all day telling you Bible verses where it talks about the body of Christ and how we're to serve and love one another and we each one have a responsibility and, and, and we can point to you there's no retirement plan, there's no sitting on the sidelines, we're all in this together. The question comes down to, is our response to God's call on our life is a reflection of our understanding of who God is? Simple as that. Because if we come to this place and we think, well, you know, God's not that big of a God, God's not that, then we say no, that reflects our understanding of God. I, I can't do it. I, I don't have the gift to teach children again. That depended upon God's sufficiency. Now hear me say this. That just doesn't mean that anytime, well, let me just say this. Anytime the church office, anytime Laura calls you or, or somebody in the church call, office calls you to do something, you, it's a sin to say no to us. Can I get away with that? Okay, maybe it's not. All right, maybe it's not. It strongly suggested you don't say no. <laughs> However you want to say But there, listen, there are times you, you may be asking. It, it really is not your gift mix. You know, you know what your gift mix is. But you need to know what your gifts are. You know, the spiritual gifts and how and your abilities, you need to know what those are. But if you constantly say no, that tells us your reflection of your heart. And your reflection of who God is. I mean, in the 13 through 22, God begins to unpack who he is. He is, tell him, I am sent you. Let me give you a couple things that we know about God here. One, God is mysterious. God's mysterious. God never tells us everything. I mean, he tells Moses here in this text that that. You're going to go, you and the guys are going to go, and, and guess what? The king's not going to take your word for it. But don't worry. I'm going to give a strong hand, and he'll eventually let you go. Did God 
inform Moses of all the things that he was going to have to do, all the signs, the plagues, all that he was going to do? No. Would you be like me if God says, okay, this is going to work out? Just assume that the first time out is going to work? Yeah, why not? Sure would make life easier if you just walk in and, and the king says, sure, go on. But that's not how it works. God is mysterious. We don't always know God's plan. So what do we have to live by? We live by faith. Because the deal is God's not going to tell us. God doesn't tell us why certain people die young and certain don't. Why some people uh, accomplishes things and don't. Why some people have a harder, he just doesn't tell us. He just calls us to live by faith and trusting that he is got things under control. The second thing is, God is eternal. God is eternal. That means that God is not in the past. We don't think of God as he, what he once was. We don't think of God as what he will be someday. God is God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is eternal, and so when we think about our love relationship with God, we have to remember that eternal God and not compartmentalize our life. Because God is the same no matter where we are, no matter what's going on in our life, no matter what, what area of our life we're in. And sometimes we want to compartmentalize our life and say, well, this is who I am at home, this is who I am at work, and this is who I am at church. And that's not recognizing God is eternal and, and he is everywhere. He is God. The third thing is God is self-sufficient. In other words, God doesn't need you and he doesn't need me. And sometimes people go, well, here's the thing. If he doesn't need me, then I don't have to serve. Well, no. You just missed the point. God doesn't need any of us. But by us saying no, we don't hurt God. We only hurt our relationship with God. We only damage our relationship with God when we say no to God, when we, when we decide not to, to help and not to do the work God calls us to. We're only, we're only doing damage in that relationship so that we are the ones hurt, not God. Oh, the message of the gospel will continue because God will see to it. I, the Westminster Confession of Faith says it this way, and I, I think it was, uh, I think I really like how they put it God hath all life, glory, and goodness, blessedness in and of himself, and is alone in and unto himself, all sufficient. Not standing in any creatures, not standing in need of any creatures which he hath made. God himself is sufficient. 
He didn't need us. He doesn't need your ability. He needs your availability. He doesn't need you to be perfect in any shape, form, or fashion. He just needs you to say yes. He needs you to say, I can do that. I can, I can be a part of the body of Christ. I can serve. Last thing, we don't see this in this text, but we know it in the greater context of Scripture. We, we know Moses has come, and he will rescue his people. He, he is the one who brings salvation. We see that Jesus is God. And we see that throughout Scripture. We see Jesus comes into this, to this world uh, we find this in John 8, 5. Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. I am. In Revelation 1, 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, the one who is, the one who was, the one who is to come, the Almighty. God needs us. And it's our responsibility to, to serve. And so this morning, I want to ask you, is God sufficient? If you think God is sufficient, then there's really no excuse. The only question is, will you find a way to serve? Nathan Foster is the son of the author Richard Foster. If you've ever read anything by Richard Foster, you know, you know Richard Foster is an outstanding writer and theologian. In fact, if you've not, I encourage you to read something. Uh, one of my favorite books he wrote was The Celebration of Disciplines. But Nathan is his son, and as he was in his college years, he became frustrated with the church and really was angry and Wanted to throw up in the towel. I mean, he didn't know how to approach your, his dad. I mean, his dad, a theologian, a scholar. How do I tell dad that I think the church is just whacked? One day they were out snow skiing, and, you know, I, I, tell, I used to tell students all the time, when you take people snow skiing, there's no greater time to share the gospel than on the chairlift. Where else can they go? You got a captive audience. So they're on this chairlift, and Nathan looks at his dad and begins his rant. He's done with the church. He's frustrated with the church. His dad just looks at him and says, son, I, 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 yeah. Sometimes churches do a lot to, to organize Jesus out of the church. I understand that. Nathan's a little shocked by his dad's response. He he didn't just come right back at him. So Nathan decides to, to pick it up a little harder and says, well, Dad, you know, I, I, I see that Jesus came for the poor, the down and out, to help those who are less fortunate, to offer grace and love. He said, but I can go down to the bar and find that worn out people who offer more grace than the church and people in the pew. For the people in the pew just want a preacher who's a rock star who's overworked. To which Richard 
laughs as rock star over work. You, you've worked on this for a little while. Nathan begins to realize, wait a second, dad's not, not pushing back, not arguing. It was in that moment that he began to realize he can have a conversation with his dad and began to have a conversation about the church. And he writes and tells that story, and, and he says this. Somewhere amid the wind and the snow of the continental divide, I decided that if I am not willing to be an agent of change in the church, my critique is a waste. Regardless of how it is defined, I was learning that the church was simply a collection of broken people recklessly loved by God. And Jesus said he came for the sick, not the healthy. And certainly our churches reflect that. Changed the whole course of his life. He began to realize that the church was in need of people to serve and reflect God. This morning, the question for you is, is God sufficient? Does God know that you're available? Can you say yes to God? This morning, if you've never confessed Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, the answer to that question is no, because you've yet to surrender your life to Jesus. We want to invite you to do that. We want to invite you to, to begin a conversation with us about acknowledging who Christ is and believing that Jesus is God and confessing him. This morning, there's a telephone number on the screen. Invitations are done differently. I've told you each week. We, we have to do this in social distancing. So that number there, you can text, you can call. 270-681-2363. That will come. It's a Google number. It comes right, right to me. I'll respond to you. Whatever you put there is just, it'll be just for my eyes only. But this morning, if you don't know Christ, would you, would you use that number? Would you reach out? Maybe there's another decision on your heart. Maybe you, you, you're recognizing that you are available, but you've never said that. Maybe today you go, hey, I'm available. I know it's COVID. I don't know what I can do. But use me, call me, let me help in whatever way possible. Would you just text that? Text us and say, or call us and say, hey, whatever the church needs, I'll, I'm available. Maybe you're here this morning and you want to, to make Glasgow Baptist Church your, your home. Maybe, maybe you've not done that. Today, let me tell you how you can do that. You can use that same number and say, we want to join the church and we will get in touch with you. Back this morning, I want to celebrate. This is David and Terry Borders. David and Terry have been, been coming here for a long time, got here right before COVID, and then been here with COVID. Many of you know David. David grew up in our church. They have come to join our church this morning. And so I hope you will see them and, 
and welcome them. In fact, Terry has already uh, jumped in and involved. She's, she's handling all our social media right now for us and doing a great job. So whatever the, the decision on your heart today, would you respond? Would you respond by calling that number or texting? Let's pray together.